Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Two more weeks of pandering, ladies and gentlemen. Two more weeks of just the mess, meh, that ever meh. Then we might actually see something fun. Two more weeks of the word out there is, I'm hearing hearing that. (laughs) I was listening to the, I'm I'm, I'm effectively going to call it an intermission show between uh, the two TNT games on this Sunday afternoon. Tis when we record. And... Paul Bizonet gets on my nerve because I, I find him to be an intelligent person who just goes to a shtick way too much, which is true of like half the people in media. But then he actually credited, you know, I heard this from this reporter when he was reporting it or suggesting it on this broadcast forum, what have you. And it's just like, thank you. Just Tell us that you read or listened to Elliot Friedman, because that's what 90% of the people do anyway. Yeah, now that Mac Daddy Bob's in Margaritaville. I mean, he'll show up on... T- it's draft uh, time. Yeah, he, he, he will show up on set for TSN, but it's still not the same. Nah. And quite Mac- frankly, all... Speaking of sock puppets, to let you in on our uh, a little bit of our pre-show conversation, I mean, just all these all these reporters sound the same, even the ones that I like the most. Like I've kind of given up on listening and reading things because I don't feel like I've missed anything. I still want an NHL broadcast with color commentary and the play-by-play person being sock puppets <laughs> the entire game. Or how about Muppets? Uh, just, you know. I think that's a little more expensive. <laughs> well. Needs to go cheap after all. But, but Disney, I do believe, holds the Muppets rights. Disney happens to own ESPN for now. And Disney, I do believe, has the playoffs and the Stanley Cup final this year. So maybe they could do something for the regular season ends. Who's to say? I think TNT has the final this year because it didn't. No, because I thought they had the Vegas final. Did they? Because this I is year three. I uh, didn't you're right. So I don't know. You're right. You're right. Yeah, if it's I, they're they're alternating. That's right. Yeah. And then the winner gets game seven. Who's ever the most interesting should get year seven's final. That would be a. That'd be an when, interesting dynamic between broadcasters. When you watch the games on mute, it's kind of hard to tell what broadcast you're watching until you see the graphic overlays. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll say this. TNT tends not to jump away from play and change their camera angles. ESPN does. That's how I could tell the difference. If I were just which, in a truck, sans graphics. Which is funny because a couple of the guys that used to run... Um, a podcast, and I'll be damned if I can remember the name of it was, but it was inside the truck. 
Oh yeah, it's one of the I guess it's, Bailey Sports Carolinas folks, and yeah, and one of the guys that used to work for Sports Debt, I think. But sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, um, one of them got hired to go work for TNT, and that's why they had to stop the podcast. So mm-hmm. that kind of explains why maybe they. Uh, Dear rights holders, stop disallowing people to doing podcasts. Please and thank you. I, I know. You know, or, or although, although, to, or if you're going to be proprietary about the person, let them do the podcast for one of your networks. Let them be themselves. Like all good things need to come to an end. But On the ice le- didn't with Emily and Greg. <laughs> yeah, that didn't. Every other incarnation up till now, and I'm not the biggest um, biggest fan of what Greg and Arthur are doing because it feels a little overproduced and not mm-hmm. playing to either of their strengths. But it's still okay. The few times I chime in and listen, but yeah, Emily. Emily Kaplan should be the voice of of hockey for America for at least a generation. But she should be in what's his nuts seat, and AJ Malesko should be next to her mm-hmm. instead of Bouchergross. You're saying that's his nuts as. Or I think Arda should be the host with a Cassie and an AJ. One analyst, one reporter. And I'm fine with that, too. I mean, Arda does a good job. And I'm sure there are other people that could host. I just look at him as a as a good um, hosting proxy. Like, Bouchergross... W- he needs a coach like Torts. He to focus and channel some energy because he can be intelligent, knowledgeable. He knows the strengths of his coworkers, but then he uses shtick a little too much. He is stuck in 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Sports Center was water cooler. You know, when everybody had their own little catchphrase at Sports Center and you know where the sports yeah. center personalities were as much as the celebrity exactly the athletes they were talking about exactly and you know they did it by encouraging them to be those big personalities and that's all well and good um those that have continued to succeed are the ones that have sort of modified themselves to grow into something more than that and others have still stayed there he needs to he i I don't want him on nhl broadcast let him do his college shtick Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's where he wants to live let let levy and arda do the nhl yes i understand levy's their prime guy for you know the other big money making sports but when levy's on his winter recess or whatever it is from football and, and baseball. Let him do hockey. Hockey's his thing anyway. It is. You know, the the days of him on ESPN on the deuce, you know, him and Tom Mees 
and um, uh, Gary Thorne, Bill, Clement, we were talking about Bill Clement, you know, Clement, Clement, hands of cement. Um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff that sir, sir, I'm sorry. He didn't get that nickname. That was Jay Clement. Jay McClement, excuse me. Jay Cement? Cement? Am I pronouncing his name right? I know you're kidding because you have to remember that commercial. <laughs> no, I do. I'm... I know you're kidding. No, but uh, Jay McClement was was this, the next generation's Clement. I know. Um I'm not pining for the glory days. I'm pining for the people that um, can't let go of the glory days. It's a bit cringy, actually. I'm pining. I'm (laughs) pining for the people that were part of those glory days that have continued to um, produce quality and be excellent, and not just rely on catchphrases, slang all that kind of stuff. And, and from have those adapted days, and grown as people and yeah, you know, or evolved in some way. Stick you with know, the times. I was, I was thinking about Guy Fieri the other day because, um, as I was sort of in one of my malaises and scrolling through my direct TV while waiting for one of the games to start, they had a diner's, drive-ins and dives marathon going on on one of the channels mm-hmm. and i it's funny i didn't realize how long he's been around but he's kind of done that circle thing kind of like a you know bless his soul and rest in peace you know the lead singer from smash mouth right it was cool when it came out and then it became a joke and then you got to see who the person really was and even though that person you know is still wearing the same platinum blonde this still dressing like a you know an 80s rocker and everything but you start to see what that person's about and they come back around to being sort of like i don't want to say tolerated cool but sort of like yeah you got to give him some props kind of cool right retro cool retro cool right you know he's got his thing sure you know but you know all this other stuff he's doing is pretty damn cool and I, and I think that's, it's not going to happen for Bucci. <laughs> it's just not. Because no. it, it is, he is the ultimate please like me guy. I'm trying so hard to be pleased, to be liked by the kids. And it almost feels like he's trying to get his own kids to like him. <laughs> you know? It's just cringy. So, it really is. It's one it, of those, you're you're like... You're like the cool uncle from the 1990s who never let go of the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, when you were a kid, you thought they were cool. And as you get older and they're still doing the same shtick, you're like, yeah, you know, Uncle Jim. Um, we don't do I've that, that anymore. <laughs> I've, I've heard that joke a thousand times from you. You know, find some new material. <laughs> But enough about old grandma's sayings. <sighs> Not even getting into that. I had to go to my son's birthday party at one of those trampoline places yesterday. 
Oh, you've entered that period. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still not recovered. <clears throat> you didn't pull anything, did you? No, I did not. Uh, I did not participate. Nothing. Nothing uh, popped or exploded inside your head, though. Um, no, <laughs> my God, the headaches. <laughs> I, I learned a number of years ago, being a retired professional musician, semi-retired. Um, my ears are probably my second most important physical thing that I have. I have something called erasers, which are little nubs. They're not, they're not the big foamy squishy ones. They're actually molded in and they knock down like about nine decibels of the high end or not nine, 19 decibels of the high end which is where kids screaming lives, mm-hmm. which is unbelievably fatiguing because it is a short waveform that really beats the hell out of your eardrum. Welcome mm-hmm. to science and the ENT talk with Dr. <laughs> Patrick. Um, so no, I walk in and the first thing I do is pull in, pull in my pocket, reach in, grab my little, my little uh, plastic cup that's got a couple of picks in there and my erasers and go, whoop, 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 whoop. Ah, go have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Live in-game update. Brian Russ just put the Penguins up 2-1 with 245 in the first. Don't do this to me. You got to do this to me. Here's why I'm going to do this. No, I don't care. I care. Based, Tell me. <laughs> based, based on some of last week's conversation about torts and then some midweek information, I was forced to do some research and some number crunching. I don't know where the heck this one goal game narrative that that. the Pittsburgh media came up with came from because it's a little all over the place. Mm -hmm. They have won as many as they have lost. Now, in fairness, they've lost. They lost one, two, three, four, five in a row, one goal games. And then they won their next one immediately after the question was asked. And you know what the common denominator between all those games was? One goal. That's it. There was nothing else. Every other game was slightly different. However, the conclusion I came away from is when the Penguins struggle in the first period and they are outscored, they tend to lose the game more often than not. Now that they're in the closing minutes and they have a lead, they might have a chance to win this. As a goal-starved team with a terrible power play, uh, who, who's our who's our quarterback on defense for their power play again? Oh yeah, uh, um, which one? Yeah, I was gonna say there's more than one. <laughs> problem A and problem B, mm-hmm. but more more importantly, it. I shouldn't say that. when they don't <laughs> score in the first, they tend to lose. That's all you need to know about the Penguins. They tend to lose focus really easily when they go down. I mean, they get like really downhearted really quick. (laughs) There's not a lot of resiliency going on with that team is what I'm saying. Which is a surprise given where they're at in this game that 
that we're watching. So before before we all hopped on our call, did our little pregame chat. Yeah, I said pregame. Uh, whatever. Um, they let in a suspect goal. Goalie was screened. Flyers had a great seeing eye shot from the point, but Tristan Jari was just screened and it was put in the right spot. After that, I was actually surprised to see a little pushback from Pittsburgh, Cassie, Mm -hmm. because based on the few games I've seen, they either take the game over immediately and they shut out their opponent. Yeah, so their their problem is all mental. It's like a lot of Uh a lot of a lot of teams, particularly this time of year and particularly in their situation where they're trying to claw their way back into a um, wild card spot. Um, the issue is all mental. It's like at this point in the season in particular, they have maxed out everything they can physically, right? I mean, they can't get in any better shape. They can't get any more limber. They can't get any more like, you know, in time with each other or with the game or with the puck or whatever, they have gone as far as they can go physically. Everything that they have right now, their entire problem is all mental and it's all about focus and it's all about like resiliency and bouncing back after like bad goals or, you know, I don't know if they get stuck in the mentality that they're like, they're up at, you know, they're up by two goals and they're going to cruise. And then somebody comes along and pops that little fantasy bubble that they have. And they're like, oh, well, now we don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know what their story is exactly. All I know is that after watching them all season, that they're not focusing on the right things, period. Like, you know, you listen to people interview after games, after practice or whatever, and they're not talking about the right things. They're not talking about mental focus and, and mentally, you know, mental resiliency and trying to like to like recover from things mentally. It's all about what everybody else always says, you know, it's oh, it's timing, we get bad bounces, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. Everybody does that, but you're not actually like mentally thinking, oh okay, well, we need to fix that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Which furthers, (laughs) my research further backs up your point there, Cassie, where I like to track this little stat for teams. Can they outscore an opponent in two of three periods? You know how many times the Penguins have done it? Maybe a dozen times in 55 games. So that kind of speaks to, okay, they win about a third of their periods. They, or maybe slightly over a third, they tie about a third and then they lose or get outscored at uh, maybe, yeah, maybe a third because I'm rounding up and down percentages. So it just says it screams wild inconsistency. Because the best teams do it more often than not. And look, I don't have some fancy model that I tweak to, you know, prove my point. (laughs) It's more, this is just what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like, and again, I don't have a model. I'm not like, this is all, oh my God, I test. Um, But... But to me, if they are, if they get ahead and they they are more likely 
to win the game, right? I mean, they're most likely to come back from behind if they've never been ahead, right? But if they're Mm -hmm. ahead and then they get behind, then they have a hard time trying to win the game. And that's all mental because they're all just like, they're mental. Um, (laughs) That's because they're all, they're all just like devastated that they're not winning all of a sudden. And I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah, but your job is to like get over that and move on and try to win. Right. That's kind of what you do for a living, but you're not doing that. (laughs) You know, Tweedle, Tweedle Swede and Tweedle Canuck. I've been waiting for you guys to give, <laughs> to get to a point where we had an opening that I could do that for you. <clears throat> Tweedle Swede and Tweedle Canuck. All right. I can respect that. Because that's about as much as I'm going to be able to contribute today. <laughs> oh, good Lord in heaven. This really is a dumb league. Torts was right. <laughs> Earth was 100% right. And uh, yeah. that that Minnesota game with three players with hat tricks and seven goals in the third period <laughs> proves this is a dumb league. And I, I am here for it. Well, no, but it's not dumb in a fun way. <laughs> oh, no, that was fun. No, that was fun. But most of the time, it's not fun. In a t- it's not dumb uh, in yeah. a fun way. Most of the time it's dumb in a frustrating or like exasperating way. <laughs> and you're just like, why? Why did you do that? What did you think was going to happen there? <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what you thought you were thinking it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah. think this through, did you? Uh, thinking uh, you through? didn't, did you? You signed a three-year deal with Green Day, knowing what they were, and put them on live TV and let them swear. And we never heard from them again in this partnership. You didn't think this through, did you? Well, uh... Thinking things through is not anyone in the NHL head office's forte. (laughs) You blocked out, like, probably close to 3,000 seats at an outdoor event just so the Jonas Brothers could have a little light show and some flames behind their stage. I mean, (laughs) if these are supposed to be money-making... Lost revenue right there. Right. And I understand that when they do them in the football stadiums, that you know they tend to block the stuff that's flat, close to the field, because it's um, non-sightline stuff. So you'll see in the and you'll see and they'll have like the tarps over certain sections that are really down low because you're actually almost um, depending on how the stadium set up because you're you know you're not going to be able to see anything but the boards. Um, I get that, but to see that entire that vast section in the end zone effectively blocked out so they could have some fire pots and a little and, and a few flashy lights for the three songs that they performed is just like, I don't want to know what you guys paid for their appearance fee, but it was probably less. It was probably not worth the amount of seats that you had to block out for them. (laughs) Yeah. They're not the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. That's for sure. Well, it was funny because in the second game they had some other band come on and they, their stage was kind of sitting rinkside. 
and you know that band's playing then all of a sudden boom 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 flames come out like huh they all managed to do that without blocking out an entire section of the end zone seats (laughs) go figure (laughs) dumbest league they are a uh director or producer who overly relies on CGI when you really don't need it half the time. J.J. Abrams? We're you said it, not me. Kraken, right? <laughs> Bruckheimer's not that bad. No, he has a lot of practical effects. Bruck, Bruckheimer, you know, for he likes his stuff exploding and he he likes to... He's got that little kid in him. And I can say this because I have seen him a number of times. He mm-hmm. often would come up and play in the Microsoft hockey charity events. Um, Cause he does play hockey or at least he used to, I don't know if he still does, but he's there. There's that little malicious, not malicious. There's that little kid still in him that he likes to make things go boom and likes, you know, big booms. So Well, I mean, you know, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're, we all like that. But um, it's taking it too far so that it's gratuitous <laughs> rather than just this is fun right here kind of thing that, that becomes a problem. You know, J.J. Abrams in there and his lens flare. Um, <laughs> My God. So what we need is someone like an Edgar Wright to save the league. Oh. Now hear me out. You can't have you, you can't save I'm people ju- who don't want to save themselves. <laughs> he he's he's struggling a little bit lately. I'll grant I don't you. Think, I don't think he's struggling. Um it's for a different podcast. It really is. But what I was going to say, I would love to see an outdoor game over in the UK somewhere. Because they have figured out the art of multi-purpose outdoor stadiums where they could reconfigure things to fit the field and not do all these... um, for lack of better terms, uh, ads all over and around the product. Not going to happen. Not, no, it's never going to happen in the NHL, but I would love for like a champions hockey league final at an outdoor venue. Oh, you wouldn't need to put ads around there. They've got enough ads all over the players and the ice and the boards to begin with. Yeah, so what they could do is pack in a great crowd and watch something fun. Because from a distance, you can't tell what the heck half those ads are. It's just as long as one team has enough contrast in their colors so you can tell who's on what side, life is good. Uh, But I was was listening to a, a local podcast about an old, 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 like minor league football league that ended up turning into NFL Europe, which is a thing is not a thing. And some ex players described like what they saw the field's crew doing as they were transitioning between events, you know, preparing for a football game after a concert, after, you know, a footy match. 
And they're just smart and clever and have things figured out in a way the NHL thinks they thinks they do. I could not even fathom Old Trafford hosting a hockey game. But would it be cool? I don't think they would allow it. <laughs> yeah, come to think of it, Cassie, I don't think they would because they don't even use that thing for concerts, yeah. I believe. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you can find a... Uh... A pitch that will allow that allows concerts on it, maybe, maybe you could get that done. But if you, but otherwise, yeah, I don't think any of the big name pitches are gonna allow that. You can't disrupt the turf, man. It's sacred. Well, I mean the Wembley. Wembley does it. I do know that. I know yeah. Germany yeah. has quite a few stadiums that are part of Bundesliga that do that. Yeah. Um Sheffield will do it because they're Sheffield. Taylor Swift just sold out, I think, like two nights at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is like over 100,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she has some elaborate stages and setups, but my goodness, can they pack in a crowd that can get to and from the stadiums very easily? Funny it's amazing. That. Shocking. Without giant parking lots around. Who knew? Wow. Hmm. It's yeah, but it's that, like, it's that weird and strange thing that we're not that familiar with here called public transit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and not having stadiums built like 30 or 40 miles outside of downtown cores where there are no service lines for any public transit. <laughs> that was an interesting conversation we were having last night somewhere else, uh, some other people and I about how easy it is to get to and from airports in Europe and Australia and Japan compared to here. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there thinking about Denver, you know, it's like a two hour and 20 minute flight, I think from Seattle to Denver. And it's like an hour and 30 minutes from the airport to Denver, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not a bad train ride. I will say. They have a train that goes out there now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did that start? Uh, a couple of years, at least four or five years. But I took it okay. last summer, and it was pretty pleasant. Hmm. Took maybe 30 minutes just because of the number of stops they had to make. That's a hell of a lot better than the hour drive it used to take you. Exactly, because you got to go north or south. You can't go. You just can't Eastern, go west. Yeah. And see, that's just it. You know, SeaTac's got a light rail line that basically goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't it go to like the the parking garage or not the parking garage? The it goes to the parking. It drops you off at the parking garage, but outside of that, it's like where does it go? It's like you know. Anyway. um you started it out on Brian Rust. I think you had a reason for it, Pat. Jeff Gensel. Oh, and wh- why was that? <laughs> Jeff Gensel? Because <laughs> of the murmurs, rumblings, I'm hearings, sources say. <laughs> oh, the guy in charge might be able to do whatever he wants. 
Or Jake, sorry, Jake Gensel. You can call him Brian Getzel as soon as he's traded out of Pittsburgh. Because <laughs> that's what they'll do. Yeah. Mark Getzel. Frank. Jake Donk. <laughs> Brian Flibber Gibbets. Um, yeah, so my, my whole... Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 please. So my whole thought with that is, you know, I'm... I'm Following on Twitter, Ubis's little press conference, and and I'm like watching what people are reporting, you know, typing out what he's saying, and I'm like, did you not know any of this when you took this job? <laughs> you know, did you not figure this out that you had a team that was mostly over thirty that? gosh, you need to get younger. The, I mean, I get that, you know, he wanted to kind of like sit and see where everything ended up and, you know, that's fine. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, how come you're making it sound like this is news to you? Because that's a little distressing. I, I don't think it is news to him. I think this is news to his bosses. I think... Like in Toronto, he was given a directive, and this year's directive was see what you can do, and let's make one last run. Everyone, everyone away from the situation knew, no matter what they did, short of getting Bedard and like four NHL defensemen, this really wasn't going to happen. We were saying this they last needed a. Pe- yeah. <laughs> We were saying, but his bosses, yeah, and his bosses, as we learned, wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do. And as soon as he spoke out about it, he was fired. That and speaking out about, you know, other things too. He's going to trade like two players. And that's going to be the end of that. And that's not going to get him anywhere where they need to be. No, he's he's got like five years to figure out what to do. Because and by year three, it'll be somebody else's problem because they will have canned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he's not ruthless th- enough to like but, pull the trigger on the bigger trades that he needs to pull. Oh, I think he I think he's going to try in the summer. What he sh- he should have done this about four weeks ago. Yeah. Just before All-Star. I think his his biggest hang-up is whatever his perceived value of whatever players he does or doesn't have. I think that was his biggest flaw in Toronto. Because when he made trades, by and large, they worked out. Sometimes it was, you know, good for both clubs. And sometimes it was good for, you know, just his. But they were always fringe deals. Because did he really need to make a huge blockbuster trade for, you know, a first-line center or a scoring winger? No. But he just would not budge on what he had that he could use to build with. 
No. I don't know if that was all him or if it was Shanahan. I think it's a little column A, little column B. So if I were to do this, I see if there's a way, could I get a one of the kids out of out of the Rangers for a veteran forward? Eat a little money this year to make it work. Could I get someone in the system from, say, Nashville? Could I dangle one of my goalies and get as part of a big, bigger, not a blockbuster deal, but could I pull a UC Soros and a couple of prospects for a Tristan Jari? Could I free Anthony Duclair from San Jose? That one should be very easy to do. Should be. <laughs> you shouldn't have to give up hardly. Could I get him and Barabanov, two talented wingers to play with some experienced centermen? Heck. Couple months of a Mike Hoffman. Is there anything left in that tank? I honestly don't know. I think when a team is that bad, it's hard to do anything. Yeah, but, you know, that's one of those someone's still got to score. You know, I don't care how bad your team is. Someone's still putting the puck in the net. They don't call it the shark tank for nothing. (laughs) Oh, dear God. Yeah. How many of those puns are we going to hear? There. Okay. Do you feel better? Yeah, I do now. Okay, good. Oh, that was the wrong one. I actually wanted this one. There we go. Yeah, but did you record that sound yourself? No, I didn't, but I also didn't record the cartoon head shake. I pulled down an FX pack. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, Wyshynski had a piece on the deadline, and everyone was being naive and thinking, it's going to be good, it's going to be bad, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a whole lot of whatever. And then this time next week, something will happen or nothing will happen. And everyone will just wait till they have all their cap space in the offseason. And then maybe one person does something mildly interesting. All of this continues to prove my physics teacher was right. Everything's 50 50. Mm hmm. <laughs> Dude, I'll, take, it's gonna I'll take 50-50 odds, honestly. I know. It's like I know. coin flip, I'm me. good with that. <laughs> Trust me, Cassie, I know. <laughs> you know, I just hated having statistics and physics back-to-back because my poor brain would be like, oh, all the probabilities and, you know, here's the rate of percentage and increase and change and all this stuff. And then you go to a physics class, it's like, yeah, it's not true. It's either going to happen or it won't. <laughs> My sister said never to take physics, so I never did. (laughs) 
she said it was a pointless class. And I'm like, all right, I'm never taking it. I just happened to work at a physics society in college. And that's where I learned all my physics off of physics papers. <laughs> I loved it. <clears throat> so if everything is really, honestly, a 50-50 proposition of all the penguins that could be shipped out, is it really a Jake Gensel? Is it really a Brian Rust that you want? I think they'd be stupid in getting rid of Gensel. But, I mean... He is the youngest of their pending unrestricted free agents, I will say that. Good players who struggle on a new team, especially when they go cross-conference... Wouldn't you rather take a gamble on a Riley Smith or a Ricard Raquel? You know, thank you. I was just kind of sitting there going, mm, those are guys that showed blips and consistency on other teams and maybe just have not fit in here. You know, Raquel, signed by the previous administration, putting up worse numbers than even a Smith in a couple fewer games. Man, sometimes all it comes down to is fit. Yeah, you know, you know who doesn't fit? You know who really doesn't fit, especially in the defense? Ryan Graves. Ryan Graves needs to be traded. They need to get someone else because he is a big old sore thumb in the defense. His playing style does not fit with anybody in the defense. And I think that they could get something decent for him. Maybe not so stick, but yeah. so here's where Patrick's larger point about Dubis and does he do the big thing? Does he admit he made a mistake? He can't. This is hockey. He admits mistakes. At least not right (laughs) now. He can't. Now he can sit there and in the off season, you know, if they fail to make the playoffs, if (laughs) Um, I'll throw it out there, but (laughs) um, could, you know, they could maybe the directive from the, Um, Fenway Park group is okay. um, Roll it over. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then they can go, then he can say, oh, well, I was, you know, we're, we're entering a refresh phase. God, that I love when Doug Wilson did that. Cause it's just like, just for the love of God, just say the word, Mm -hmm. just say the word. Mm -hmm. We're in a refresh or build. Rebuild. um, no, he never said rebuild. Right. Um, it was an on-the-fly reset or a refresh. It was any. It was every other R word except rebuild. And you know what the biggest problem with all those is? No one defines what any of them mean. Right. It's all arbitrary, mm-hmm. just like everything in the league. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants definitions because then they're stuck with the definition. If there's no definition, they're not stuck with it. I mean, they, they call themselves, they yeah, they call themselves the National Hockey Na- Hockey League, and they're truly international. Mm-hmm. Arbitrary name. 
hang on. Jesus Christ. I oh my god. <laughs> you ever have one of those? Wait a minute. What? Oh crap. <laughs> that was it, Pat. <laughs> I just it it's just, you know, it's the National Hockey League. <laughs> And, and you never go national to what? I have. <laughs> I've thought about that. I'm like, wait, so it's a National Hockey League, but there's Canada and the U.S. Even before they allowed Europeans in, it was still two countries. So what are we national to? <laughs> well, I, just because you sit there, you know, and it's like, oh, it's the National League versus the American League. Well, they're the same damn thing, Right. It's not really a league. It, it's a conference, it's, but okay. Exactly. See, exactly. <laughs> and so I just, I just, I just throw it away, right? It's like I'm not going to spend any time trying to understand what that. And you, oh my God, I am, I am a grown ass man, and it really just never sank in like that. <laughs> a lot of people don't question things around them. It's okay. Oh God, Cassie, are you? Oh, am I really being a conformist? No, uh, you're not. Conformity is one thing. Questioning things is another. There's there's two things going on with that. Because you can be a conformist and question things, which I think is actually the worst. Because you're you're if you're not verbally challenging the system, but you're conforming, then that's an issue to me. But I digress. Um, so you know you. Uh, you can either blindly go along and accept certain things, not everything necessarily, certain things as just being fact and not question them. And that's probably what you did. You know, it's like the sky is blue. Okay, I accept that. You know, <laughs> I, that's not being conformist. <laughs> I think it was just literally a case of it's just words. Okay. Yeah, just have never had a reason to I, think about it. About the intent or the meaning. Yeah. Right. You know. Kind of like I love you, you know, uh, just never think about. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I question everything. That's that's my I mean, yeah, and I drove my, my siblings. I'm the youngest of five and I drove my siblings crazy. So I was the by the time I was like three or four years old, my sisters were like, figure it out on your own. <laughs> it's like, OK, <laughs> so I became very resourceful at that point. <laughs> Well, no one's going to tell me. I guess I need to figure it out. Who the hell would take Ryan Graves? Not a someone. Someone would. Welcome to Phoenix. Take okay, okay, okay. Jerry, Jerry and Graves together for something. Would San Jose take him? The answer is no. But would they take him for an extra year or two? To get, say, Mark Edward to move on to a quote-unquote contender because everyone's a fool of themselves, but you get to play with super talented players like you used to. He's not going to play. <laughs> Could he actually? He gets more well, contender. He's parked. Mm-hmm. He is the, uh, oh, God, what was the dude's name in that Chicago run? Who barely played like five minutes. Chemo Timonen. 
Thank you. And that was, I don't know why I can't remember chemo. I'm, I'm in that kind of day. But yeah, chemo, chemo teaminin was there as the emergency break glass, you know, fragile, don't jitter or move too much because we may need them thing. And when they did find out they needed him, he played a grand total of like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But he was he was just warm body at that point in his career. If you reach that, he was literally. If you've reached this, if you if you've reached this line on the on the depth chart, you know, break glass in case you're in an emergency. Mm-hmm. The fire alarms are going to go off. The sprinklers are firing off because you're you're. Uh, you're sinking. So Ryan Graves has struggled with the Penguins. He doesn't fit his stylistically, like how he plays doesn't fit even. So, you know, I know a lot of people were like begging on Eric Carlson, especially at first, but he has managed to figure out a way to fit in with that defensive. Mm-hmm. Ryan Graves has not. Classic. He was a square peg. He's played as that square peg his entire career, and he's tried to fit into a round hole. Or he needs a certain coach to take him and work with him. So, yeah, I'm going to throw out a crazy idea. I don't think he's done. I don't think his career is over, but he's not what his contract says he is, but you know what? Someone gave it to him. Wouldn't he kind of fit the Blackhawks and just being a player to come in and play with one of the younger defensemen. They have four defensemen under the age of 23 currently on their roster, you know, injuries being what they are. They have two guys who are probably done for the season. The veteran in the mentor role that, you know, yeah, because he, when he was in the lineup, he was just a solid contributor in a second pairing. Could he help say, uh, Kevin Korchinski? Could he help, uh, you know, Isaac Phillips? I don't know. But rather than just band-aid with waiver claims for a year or two, could he just be that player who the super talented superstar gets and they just kind of hum along with them? Just, all right, let's just stabilize things, stabilize things, stabilize things. I mean, if they're doing, and it appears they're going this route in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. Because they're just going to let Connor continue to play in the NHL, learn the NHL game by doing Go figure how that actually works. Hmm, um, it, it's a mystery. And then just do that whole thing. We've got a bunch of guys, you know, one third of the team's over 35. The rest of them are under 24. 
And the guys that are over 35 are captains, you know, lifers, guys that have been around the league. I still, I still get amazed at the whole teaching them, you know, what it takes to be a professional, but I understand it. After mm-hmm. what I've been through at work this week, I completely understand people that don't know how to do a job need to be coached in how to do it. I don't care if mm-hmm. they've been playing hockey and doing this all their lives. This is completely new to them. Even though some of it should be kind of drilled in at, at a certain point. Yeah. But certain There's another level. Certain kids that were fast at five years old were always treated and told to do only one or two things. And they did those things very well. It's just the other 10 things that kind of go with the gig that, you know, they need coaching on. Well, I mean, every Patrick's point, every single job that I think we've all been in, there's always been some level of mentorship or, Coaching, even when you're, um, I mean, you know, I, I went from my job in California to my job here. I went from army reserve to utility work and I've been doing GIS for 20 some odd years, but I still needed somebody to walk me through how they do things and what's expected of me and, 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 and so it's, and, and that happens to everybody, right? I mean, if you're like brand new to the to the career path, if you're whatever, it, it happens to everybody. It has to happen to everybody, except for apparently in the NHL, where it's just sink or swim. Here you go. If you can't figure it out too bad for you, we'll just send you down kind of thing. And you may never come back, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the classism is there too, right? Because you get guys that the franchise thinks highly of and, you know, drafts them and what are they first thing they do? I'm, I'm looking at like Wyatt Johnston, right? Wasn't, wasn't like, you know, a shoe in for the NHL, but Hey, Habs, do you want to host this guy? So now he's living with Joe Pavelski. You want to talk about sort of consummate guy who, you know, routine and work ethic and everything mm-hmm. there it is and i mean you know a crosby yeah you you park him in lemieux's house you know um because you're never going to get it you're never going to an education like that anywhere else it's it's the second level of players like that cassie i think where is missing well it's not even second it's second third fourth it's it's the yeah. guys who are signed as free agents. It's the guys who are drafted in the fourth round who are better than they had anticipated. It's, it's the guys who did really did okay on another team that are traded into your team that you want, you have better, bigger plans for, you know, it's, it's all these different people. It's everyone below the top tier pretty much. And even veterans or young veterans that get traded that still need the mentorship. Maybe they don't need as much if they're a veteran, but they still need it. You know? And that's why I'll actually defend some of Chicago's re-signing of players for next season. Like giving Nick Foligno one or two years 
even in the twilight of his career. Well, he's there to be a mentor. He's there to be a mentor. He hasn't won the thing and, you know, maybe he'll get his chance and be the. He could be the modern day chemo team and in for some team as the 13th forward. I leave him there if he's if he's happy, he's contributing, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, there's that weird line of demarcation, Cassie, because they if if they don't partner them up at the NHL level, they send them down to the A and that's tends to be where you have those veteran guys interspersed within that roster to be there to be those mentors at the AHL level. Cause you know, there's too much to work on in the NA. There's too much he needs work on in the NHL, send him down to the a and hope coaching doesn't completely screw him, but also hope that you've got a guy down there or a couple of guys down there or a couple people down there that can, you know, start training them up a little bit like an apprenticeship program. Is this Cam York's music? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Kid who was kind of anointed, new sheriff in town, had him go down, did everything he was asked, and he and the team have reaped the rewards. Yeah. And if you're looking down rosters, Ryan Graves could be that guy at the NHL. You know, they've mm-hmm. got they have no choice but to play some of these players. I think that's kind of a given right now. Because one of the other funny things that's going to come up is the aging curve of the league is going to change ever so slightly. It already has. The average age is going to start to go up because certain veteran players can hang around longer because they have the wheels and they've learned how to preserve their bodies to maintain the current workload. Which is more about off-ice stuff, honestly, than the current game. It's more about being able to recognize changes in your body and how you have to adapt. Because I think what ends up running a lot of guys out of the league is that they keep doing the same thing they've always done, and they don't adapt. They don't change. They just think what they did when they were 25 will work for them when they're 35. And that's not the way these things work. Because, you know, they've got a a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. So they have to manage, like you were saying, off-ice workloads. And, you know, so that they can take time for themselves to heal. But they also have to, like, recognize that that's not going to be a detriment to them. Because I think a lot of these guys don't might actually recognize they need that but think they can't do that for fear that they'll look old and they can't, they're not, no, it's going to want to keep them around because, because of that, you know, but enough about me and my beer league team. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't mean to call you about, out. <laughs> I was going to say enough about PK Subban, you know, still training at 35 or, you know, I, Alex Emin was the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a a combination of you have some guys who just don't recognize that they need to change and some guys who do recognize they need to change, but they think that in changing it'll show weakness and they won't be like up in the lineup like they want to be. But enough about the coaches. Oh, God. No kidding. (laughs) 
Oh, dear God. Live in-game update. Oops, he did it again. Brian Rust regained the lead for the Penguins. Oh, no. See, they're fine coming from behind, They're but once they have a lead and they lose it, then they just, like, fall to pieces. And, you know, oh, taking God out damn. one of the opposing defensemen probably will help their cause today. Mm, not my puppy dog, Jamie Drysdale. God damn you. Sorry. Yeah, I know this is going to make a lot of sense Tuesday when you listen to it. <laughs> go back to the 806 mark of the second period and then go back to like the uh, probably nine minute mark of the second period, nine minutes remaining the second period and go from there. Flyers and uh, Penguins game. Penguins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say this in moderate defense again, for the love of all things, holy stuff. Stop bending over and reaching out for pucks you have no chance of getting. You put your head at elbow height and get hit. I if you I have, know I'm gonna sound heartless, but you're you're kind of contributing you, oh, to your You own deserve issues. what you get. Uh no, actually it's even worse than that. It's if you have to bend over and reach for a puck, don't. <laughs> you know because you probably aren't going to get it <laughs> but there to go back to the coaching thing they're all going to get yelled at because they're not showing enough effort in battle well mm-hmm. i don't know about you but it, my reach is you know however long my sticks reaches however long and a puck is traveling at a certain speed on ice ahead of me there isn't anything i'm going to do to catch it other than speed nope. up the coach has always outraced every player, even Connor. Right. And Matt. Stop bending at the waist to try. If you're going to do it, just freaking dive. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you feel like you have to do that or dive, don't do it at all. Because again, you know, especially if you're in front of your own net. <laughs> Oh my God. Deflections. No. You don't want that. <laughs> now this play happened in the neutral zone uh, right yeah. up the blue line. And my goodness, was there a bit of interference on the play I mean, at okay. full speed, not at the super, super slow mo's. Let's talk about every, eh, maybe there wasn't interference. No, there no, wasn't. See, seeing the bench side angle, Drysdale is still attempting to make the play, and Harkins made a clean hit. Clean hit. I mean, it, okay. it was all about contact on, on the upper forearm. I mean, I get it. When okay. he went to the ice, I, I, when I played basketball in high school, I had burn marks on my rib cage, on my upper thigh. You know, all on my upper back of my upper arm because I was diving for like basketballs to keep them in bounds because I couldn't help it because it just was like, oh, I got to get that. And so I get it. You have there are things that you do that you just can't help. But if you're putting your head, putting yourself in a position where your head is lower than your shoulders because you're reaching for something. Try not to. (laughs) Well, I. I I get the other side of the argument about the effort. 
but there has to be like some common sense. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's like I realize the NHL is short on common sense. I get it's it. Just, but it's just funny to me how it has changed. Because when I grew up, what did you never ever want to do in the neutral zone? Because Scott Stevens was out there. Right. Keep, get right? your head down at any moment. Yeah, you never wanted to have your head down. Never keep your head up through the neutral zone or else there's a train coming for you. Mm-hmm. And just over these last 10, 15 years, you see so much of this. You know, he 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 set and established a clean hit, elbow in, tucked at the side, not high, didn't raise anything, didn't chicken arm, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Turned sideways, lined up to make con. Oh, crap, his head went down. And the next thing you know, he's kind of got him in that bad spot. You know, as I, I get the Flyers wanting to go, you know, um, take revenge, but a clean hit. That's the, again, again, victim culture. Oh, he meant to do that. He was out targeting that guy. He was out to hurt him. Well, I got news for you. Every other player is doing the same thing to every other player. Mm-hmm. You you don't hit you don't hit to show affection. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hit to hurt, you hit to wear them down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how many times have we ever heard that? You know, their forecheck is wearing them down. You know, they're being heavy on them, all that kind of crap. And uh, that was, I'm going to call that an own goal, Pat, because that was 100% Peterson providing a ramp for the puck. Oh, yeah. On that power play that the Penguins just scored to make it 4 2 in midway through this. A little huh. Midway through they this. had a good first period. They won the period. And now they're in a position to win the second with about six minutes left. Right. But if they give up a goal in the third, they're going to start scrambling because they're going to be like, oh, no, what do we do now? They should let their goalie just absorb pucks and slow the game down. But maybe yeah, that's just me. You know, hockey has a real problem with just trying to keep leads in the third, generally speaking. Do we just call this episode live analysis of a Pittsburgh Penguins game two days ago? Yeah, this is this is why I'm not watching this game. <laughs> I have We're telling you game. everything you need to hear, Trey. <laughs> Cassie, everything you need to hear. Yeah. But back to Patrick, your bigger point. So I have started as a volunteer assistant lacrosse coach for a middle school team. And apparently this is the age where you can start with some body contact. Yep. And wouldn't you know it? My kid was out there and he was trying to run through three players, but he saw the contact. He kept his head up kind of running through the middle. He was able to pop up just fine. Why? When you see it, you can absorb the contact. Your mind is mentally prepared for taking it. Drysdale, head down, reaching for the puck, and what happens? You get hurt. Was, was puck focused. Yep. You know, and and that is situational awareness. Is this the right situation for me to do this? 
Where are you? Between the two blue lines? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> it's looking around everybody around you before you make that like move, even if it's just peripherally. <laughs> so you know that you have time and room to actually go after the puck instead of just doing it without thinking and having your head down and not looking to see positionally where everybody else is at that moment. I absolutely love watching Connor McDavid's head. He is like a bald eagle out there. It's for the majority of the time it is up and he is scanning everything. Everything in every direction he can turn and see before, you know, just that half second, look over the shoulder. Okay, there's Dreisaitl. Half second, okay, there's Hyman, you know. I got a guy coming in on me prep, you know. There's just, it's fun to watch because he really does remind you of a bird of prey just sitting there every once in a while. And you see their heads just do like some weird things because they're like completely just scanning around everywhere. And it's just like instantaneous, instantaneous, instantaneous. Thornton Thornton used to do it too. Thornton was great at it. He'd have everything mapped in his head before the intersection of him and the puck met. And that's how he made some of those unbelievable passes. Because he'd just pop up real quick, look, see, there's a space. Guy's going to be in that space, send it. So, yeah, I don't know what to do. God, that is such a ramp goal. I was going to say, you know what you can do is um, talk about reverse VH for a minute. No, I am just, oh, Jesus, I'm so <laughs> done with that, too. Uh, I, I am so happy to see who, players just picking that apart. And who was the coach this week that said, everyone knows what the goalie's going to do. Maybe it's time we started adjusting this. Oh, but someone shouted that out like just this past week. They're brilliant. Brilliant. I tell you. Well, yeah, it's evolution, baby. Sink or swim. For some. Yeah. Okay. I guess we don't need to do any more live in game updates from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Philadelphia Flyers. Good evening, everyone. This is Dick Urban live from the Montreal Forum. <laughs> no, but I will predict this probably ends up being like a 7-5 final just because. No. Inconsistency. No. Breeds weirdness. So wait, so if this ends 4-2 to two at the end of the second, uh, then if Philly scores either early in the third or... At the end of the third period, then they'll win 5-4. If Once again, <laughs> making it a one-goal game. Right. Yeah. If Pittsburgh oh, yeah, yeah. manages to like stay ahead even by one, or keep the score 4-2 to two or 5-2 to two or whatever, then they'll win. That's my prediction. Can I say I predict it ends at 4-2? Okay. This is the minute we stop watching it. It's like a Heisenberg game. Sure. You know, the state remains whatever its state is until... Yeah, okay. I'll stop talking physics. 
theoretical or otherwise. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.